I hope you have your yellow sheet because I'm going to try to finish it up tonight. Now, if you didn't get one, there, you can walk back while I'm doing my introductory part, doing that before you right straight back through those double doors and to the left, you'll see a yellow sheet like that. And at the top, it's there are these 10 points for us as fellow believers to pray for consistently for one another. And so we've been going through that uh, so far uh, these uh, last few Sunday nights. And, you know, as I'm standing here, I'm thinking about uh, some things here. You know, it's, uh, we're in a mess in this country, and of course, we do need Christians that pray. And some people probably think, well, look, uh, boy, you go to Central Baptist Church, and they got prayer for the women, prayer for the men. They got, uh, they got a prayer room. They got, they're praying about everything. Boy, that's our testimony. It's a great one. You know, it really is. And, and, and you see the emphasis of prayer uh, throughout the Word of God. Uh, and, and the Lord almost seems that like at times the Bible shows the Lord, our, our Father, our God, Savior, that they're just kind of begging us to pray. And they want to respond. They want to help. They want to be there for us. And we've been looking at some of these words because some of the words, uh, you'll read the verses that we've been given to you. And we say, oh, yeah, okay. But let's understand, let's understand something. That in these verses of understanding, it, it may help you to understand a little bit more if when you see verses like these, that you go back and you examine them and think on what those statements actually mean. And, and I, I encourage you to do that because I think it even increases what you're praying for and why you pray for it. As we've seen so far the Apostle Paul uh, in Philippians, Ephesians, we see it in Colossians. And we, we see their, how they pray for them, how they pray for one another. How even the apostle asked for them in Ephesians to pray for him. So it tells about the, uh, really the importance of prayer. I, I can, you know, uh, I, I can remember just looking over the years past and, and coming across people that had some serious ailments, serious illnesses, or serious uh, things in life. I mean, it was a, uh, some serious decisions. Uh, some uh, just things that were that of that nature and that people prayed and they prayed together and just watch God do some mighty things through that and and it was great to see that but so often it's easy to forget what God has done and you get away from your prayer uh, but here we're learning on how to pray for one another one another the church there in the book of Acts, Jerusalem, they were gathered together. They prayed. We read later in Acts, they prayed for Peter as he's about to be beheaded, and they, uh, the Lord delivered there. I mean, just throughout, it's the people of God coming together to pray is important. Now, I'm saying all that for this reason. Every Sunday, now we've been talking about prayer. We have a prayer room. How, that, how does that operate? Well, we have a deacon and a Sunday school teacher of a different class each time, a, a different adult class that's assigned for a particular Sunday. So if you're in a Sunday school class, that uh, let's just say you're in uh, Brother Mylon Land's Sunday school class, 
Okay, that's college and career. And it's his Sunday to be in there. Then there'll be Brother Milan there or somebody from his class there. Then there'll be a deacon there. And what do they do? They sit in this back room back here, it's behind the baptistry, but on this first floor, you go through this door there, there's, there's a room between the two areas here behind me. And they're sitting on chairs and they're listening to the sermons that's preached. And as I'm preaching that, they're, for the most part, they're praying silently. Usually they start out the time with prayer and then they pray silently. Uh, as I'm going through, for an example, this morning I mentioned uh, ABC, you know, and that, that's an old illustration. I mean, that's one that's been used for years, you know, admit, believe, confess, or call. And, uh, and you know, you're praying silently and saying, oh, Lord, make people admit, really come to the truth with themselves, admit they're sinners, and, and see that now, and you'll convict their heart. May they really help them see that this is reality, that Jesus did die for them, and he loves them. And made today in this invitation, they call upon the Lord to save them. Okay. Now, they're not praying that out loud. They're praying that silently. If you've got a bunch of them praying together at the same time, 1 Corinthians 14 says that kind of brings about confusion. So, they're praying. They're speaking to God. And, and so, as they pray that way, they're not in a praying contest who could pray the best prayer. It's not that. They're, they're praying that way. And if you'd say, you know what, I'd like to be a part of that. Just see your Sunday school teacher. See your Sunday school teacher and say, whatever Sunday you have it, let me know and I'll be a part of that prayer room. Your teacher will take you back there and show you where the prayer room is if you need to know where it is. But I say all that, I'm actually the one that instituted that after I took over as pastors to have that prayer room so that people are praying while I'm preaching. Uh, you had my dad ahead of you for those 19 years and uh, I need a whole lot more prayer than he did, I think. So, so I just uh, realized that... Uh, uh, I need the prayers, and so we started that a long time ago, and that's, that's one of the secrets of how the Lord has protected and has advanced Central Baptist Church. Uh, I've been here, you, you know I've had trials. I, I still, I, you know, I look, some people know about things I've gone through here, but other people don't know it, and a lot don't know the things that Dr. Bloom went through. I, I don't know that I've scratched the surface of some of the things that he went through. But what I'm saying is, I know that the victory was through people praying, and the Lord gives the victory through prayer. It, it wasn't what we figure out. It is through prayer, and God does it all. And so that's, that's where we were on, on that, on the idea of prayer. Now, we're, I'm going to cover first these first uh, five things that we have already covered, just as a kind of a review. Number one, pray that God will give us each a spirit of wisdom and revelation in the knowledge of God. We told you that wisdom was the knowledge of right and wrong with just judgment as to action. Revelation is the idea of illumination. It's not something brand new. Oh, I've got a revelation for you. God just told me this today. And he wants you to give me a thousand dollars. You know, and some people have that. And they, they, they actually, I've heard of that happening. People saying the Lord has laid on my heart tell you that you, you need to give this much. And well, I don't know that uh, I would listen to a guy that told me that. I think I'd just rather listen and let the Lord lay it on my heart and tell me to do that. Now, it is a bad thing if you got, got it and the Lord shows you a need, then you say, well, I don't want to go for that. Man, I'm saving that for something else. 
But really, listen to the Lord. Listen to the Lord on that. So, wisdom and revelation in the knowledge of God. We looked at Ephesians chapter 1 and verse 17 where those words appear. And then number 2 was pray that each member will know the hope of his calling and the glory of his inheritance. Now, now look. Know the hope of his calling. We also read about the blessed hope, the sure hope that's in Jesus Christ. And so when we have a hope in Him, it's a sure hope. Yet, it's His hope, His calling, and the glory of His inheritance. You see, we in the Bible, we're called joint heirs with Christ. When He comes to this earth to reign during the millennium, that thousand year millennium that He's here, and then into eternity, we're joint heirs with Christ. And as we live this life and we serve the Lord, there are rewards. There are things laid up that He gives unto us. The Apostle Paul in 1 Thessalonians was saying to the uh, people there at, uh, at Thessalonica, Ye are, chapter 2, my hope and rejoicing. People that He had brought to Jesus Christ. A crown of rejoicing that He would have. They received Christ as they gave them the gospel. Daniel chapter 12, they that uh, turn many to righteousness shall shine as stars forever. As we told you, turning them to righteousness doesn't mean they all got saved. It means you turned them to righteousness. You showed them the way to be saved because Christ is our righteousness. I'm accepted in Christ Jesus, not in myself, in my righteousness. I'm accepted in His righteousness. With the heart man believeth unto righteousness, not our righteousness, the righteousness of Christ. And so, you have these things there that as you learn them and you begin to grow in them, you see that the glory is of His inheritance and we're a joint heir. Not that we deserve it, but as we're faithful to Him, we serve Him and we seek Him with our heart to obey Him, the Lord will bless that with eternal reward. That's why we read that some are saved so as by fire and that others, they will, uh, well, basically, uh, they will be saved so as before, but others they will uh, have great confidence. The Apostle Paul said, Henceforth there is laid up for me a crown of righteousness. That's confidence. Because his trust was in the Lord, not himself. And so, uh, we get there through prayer. Why, don't, why wouldn't we want to pray that for one another? Why wouldn't we want to pray that for one another? So, these are things to pray for one another. That each of us would know the glory of his of His calling and, and the glory of His inheritance, should we say. All right, number three, pray that each member might know His power. We looked at Ephesians chapter 1, 19. We're talking about uh, that authority that He has. And that's why when I get up here and preach the Word, like what I'm telling you tonight, I'm preaching in the authority of God by His Holy Spirit because this is God's Word. If this is what I'm just saying by my own imaginations and my own uh, ideas of putting things together, uh, I'm misleading you. This, this is the Lord's power. And so, this is power in your life. This is His authority. Pray this way. Get to know His power. And, and then follow the will, the call of God. Uh, 
A lot of times we think of the power of God as a strength, you know, strength. But really, that's called might. Our God is, we, you've heard us say from the pulpit here, He's omnipotent. He's, he, he's all-powerful. He's omniscient. He's all-knowing. And we always use the omni, okay. He's omnipresent. That's why the psalmist tells us, in Psalms 139, there's nowhere where I could go to hide from him. Even if I went to hell, I couldn't hide from him. You cannot hide from God. He's almighty. Might speaks of the strength to do. That's why I can do all things through Christ which strengthens me. Now, the secret is, to know His Word, to know His will, to get His instruction, and follow it. One of the instructions that you and I have is praying for one another. Praying for one another. This church doesn't grow on one man. It grows on Jesus Christ. Well, He is the man Christ Jesus, but it doesn't grow on one of us. It grows on us as laborers together for the Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. As a matter of fact, let me read that in 1 Corinthians chapter 3, verses 9-11. through 11. For we are laborers together with God. Now, don't miss that. It's with God that we're laboring together. If I go out there and try to do the work without God, it's going to fall big time. We've got to do God's will, God's way, in God's timing. That's the way it must always be. So we are laborers together with God. Ye are God's husbandry. Ye are God's building. Okay, now that's verse 9 of 1 Corinthians chapter 3. God's husbandry. And husbandry, we're talking about, you know, you're planting the field. And we're planting seeds. And he is blessing the field because he's the water of life that pours on that seed. And so, uh, we, we say, see there that we are labors together with God. You're God's husbandry. He's trying to put the water of the Word into you. As a matter of fact, many times that's what the Word is referring to. When you say water, it's referring to the Word of God in the Bible. Not always. There's other things, but most times it, it is uh, referring to that. And when you do see it like that, the Word of God. And therefore, uh, as God's husbandry, ye are also God's building. He brought you here. He brought you to salvation. He saved your soul. Speaking through His Holy Spirit as you heard the Word of God. That's why it's important that we preach the gospel here. Now, moving right along into verse 10. According to the grace of God, which is given unto me. Now, just think about that. The Apostle Paul is writing down every word the Holy Spirit gives him to write there. But he says, these things right here are according to the grace of God. You didn't earn it. It was, oh, wow, God said, I'm so impressed with him. I'm impressed with her, boy, you know. No, it's through the God's grace, you're God's building. Verse 10, according to the God, grace of God, which is uh, given unto me as a wise master builder. Okay, God put him in charge. God does set up a structure for the local church. God has structure for the local church. We read it in the Bible. We don't have to try to figure it out or come up with some marketer's idea of the way we should run it. 
We don't have to come with a marketer's idea of what kind of music we ought to use. We don't have to have a marketer's idea of what kind of campaigns to have. We need to follow what the Lord tells us to do. That's the key to victory, victorious Christian living, a victorious local church. So he says, I have uh, laid the foundation. He's a master builder. So I've laid the foundation. Why? He's following the will of God. And he's a laborer with God, so he's following that. And he's been put in charge. You might say he's the foreman. He's the foreman. That church is building there, and he founded that church. And now they're building it together. But let every man take heed how he buildeth thereupon. Yes, you have a foreman on a job. You have somebody that's in charge there. You may have somebody that drew up the architectural plans and all the things that you see that go in there. But there are many people involved. There's the plumber. There's the fine work carpentry that goes on. There's the roofer. And on you could go down the line of the different people that are involved in bringing one building, one house together. Well, the Lord has given us different jobs in His house. Isn't it interesting? He even refers to the local church as His house. So if we are His house, then let's build the way He's given us to build Build. He says, take heed uh, how you build thereupon, uh, because it's going to be something for which you give an answer to God. Well, in that case, I'm not going to do anything. Okay. That is total loss of reward. And I think one of the sad things of a Christian being caught up to be with the Lord, and they're at the judgment seat of Christ, I believe, when, since the Bible says about counting the loss, I believe that they'll see all the things the Lord wanted them to have, was going to reward them with. It was already His will, but they did not pursue His will, and they lost it. Now, I believe that the one parable where the one man dug a hole and buried his talent, whereas the other man, he took his talent and made ten. The Lord gave him the ten cities, but then... After that, the guy that only had the one and didn't use it, he said, okay, take from him that hath the one and give to him that hath the ten. The Lord says, and they said, he has ten. Yeah. And I'm going to give him another one. This guy didn't do anything with what, what he had. See, some people have talent to sing. You know, I mean, Jesse and Emily were just up here. Uh, Jesse's my son. He sang. He didn't get that from me. He got it from his mother. Okay. But no, he didn't get the singing from me. He might have gotten the singing from me because her mother still, his mother still has her talent. I don't. Okay, so uh, we see those things. But I'm just saying, is that God, God gives you talents to use. I, I've used the illustration before of a mechanic. Oh, boy, he has the ability to fix things. He's good at it. But there's somebody that needs help. Oh, no, if I'm not going to get paid for it, I'm not going to help now. But it might be a real need. Uh, it might be nursery. Man, I don't want to work in the nursery. I, I don't want to work with three to five-year-olds. No, I don't want to work in the Sunday school class. No, I don't want to do Look, when you're choosing what you want to do instead of what God wants you to do, you are a big failure. 
You better pray about, God, what do you want me to do? Do you want me to work on the bus ministry? Lord, it's not my desire, but if you're calling me to do it, I'll do it. I'll do it with my whole heart, and I'll do it with joy. That's the difference. That's the Christian that's on the right line. You see, that's what makes a difference. And so, we pray uh, that everyone might know his power. We pray that each member might be filled with the knowledge of God's will and walking in a way that is pleasing unto him. We covered that in uh, Colossians chapter 1, verses 9 and 10. As a matter of fact, let me read those. For this cause, we also, since the day we heard it, do not cease to pray for you and to desire that ye might be filled with the knowledge of his will in all wisdom and spiritual understanding. You know, when you see these things that are going into the local churches now, they're dancing, they're uh, doing all kinds of crazy things in the church, and it looks like a rock concert. Okay, that tells me that there was a lack of spiritual understanding and leadership. They were interested in building numbers, and that's not our goal. Our goal is to build souls. But we want to build every soul that we can find. We want to build them into, we want to get them saved and begin to see them grow in the grace and knowledge of Jesus Christ. That's what we're building. We're building that love for one another as labors together with God. And so he said, For this cause, since the day we heard it, do not cease to pray for you and to desire that ye might. Be filled with the knowledge of his will in all wisdom, the knowledge of right, wrong, just judgment, and to action and spiritual understanding. Verse 10, that ye might know, that ye might walk worthy of the Lord unto all pleasing in the knowledge of God. Now, again, old illustration, but if it works, I use it. You first get married, you don't really know the person like you thought you knew them. But as you get to know them, then you learn of the things, what to say, not to say. Oh, I know that would cause a problem. I know that. Why? Because you know the person. You know the person. You know what would please them. Oh, they would like this. And, and you know that it pleases them. And so you do that. Get to know the person of God through His Word. That's why you should be daily in the Word. Daily, daily, daily in the Word. Thinking on it, be daily in the Word. You get to know Him more intimately. And so you know what is His leading and what is his, not His leading. You know when there's a deceiver, that spiritual understanding says, no, that's not my God, that's not from Him. They'll say, oh, look at how many people you've been reaching for the Lord. No. If any man be in Christ, 2 Corinthians 5, 17, he's a new creature. Old things have passed away, and behold, all things have become new. So, we want to walk in a way that pleases God. Now, verse uh, number 5 was, pray that each member will be strengthened in all might for patience, long-suffering, and joyfulness. And we saw that in Colossians chapter uh, 1, verse 11. To be strengthened in all might according to his glorious power, unto all patience and long-suffering with joyfulness. You say, How can you have joy? Because long-suffering means, oh man, 
There's just something that's just ongoing. This just doesn't seem like it's going to quit. Patience. When you see it's all going wrong and just drives you up a tree when you've tried to uh, change things and yet they, oh man. But with long suffering and patience, with joyfulness. How can you be joyous? Because you know that being long suffering and patient, you're doing God's will, God's way, and you're sticking with it, you're not quitting it, and you know that pleases God. You know it so well that it is joyful. Again, you buy that gift for that person that you care for so much. It might be a spouse, it might be a child. But you know, boy, they'd really like that, and, and you haven't even discussed it with them, but you know that that's what they would want, because you know them. But boy, you pay a lot of money for something. Oh, man. Why couldn't I find that on eBay? You know, I mean, we, we got these, I should have got, Check the yard sales out. I could have found one. No. You wanted what was right and good and best for them. Be patient. Be long-suffering with joyfulness because you are giving something to God. The right spirit that you should have as a Christian. A spirit-controlled spirit of your own. A Holy Spirit-controlled. Okay. Pray for, that, uh, for our love for one another to abound. That was in Philippians chapter 1 and verses 9 and 10 where he says, uh, And this I pray that, ye may, that your love may abound yet more and more in knowledge and in all judgment. Judgment a lot of times has to do with discernment that ye may approve things that are excellent. The idea of the excellent there in this particular verse is the idea of virtue. Of a high virtue. Of a high integrity. That ye may be sincere. Not a fake, not a put on, sincere until the day of Christ. To the day of Christ. What is that? Well, that's the day when he's come back. He's setting himself up as king of kings. The day of Christ. You just keep on keeping on until you're raptured. Just keep on keeping on till you are raptured. Okay, number seven. Pray. Uh, pray that each member will be mindful that they represent the Lord Jesus Christ through Central Baptist Church, wherever they go. Now, I'm, I just read 2 Corinthians chapter 3, uh, verses uh, you know, 9 through 11. And I want you to get that because I want you to see that he does have us as labors together. So after reading those verses, then I think of another uh, couple places of verses that may apply here. 2 Corinthians chapter 5 and verse 20 and 21. Now then... We are ambassadors for Christ, as though God did beseech you by us. We pray in Christ's stead, be ye reconciled to God. You know, I think that has a double application. I think it's applicable for bringing people to Christ as Savior. But I also think it's applicable 
in bringing backslid loved ones, backslid Christians, backsliders out there, those that have got caught up in the wrong things, and bringing them back to that way. And so, for he hath made uh, him to be uh, sin for us who knew no sin that we might be made the righteousness of God in him. That's why I said it's also for the unsaved, but we're calling people to be reconciled to God. Sometimes in our Christian life, we get to a point, and you can see it, you can see it in somebody. They used to, they, let them be, pray for them to be reconciled to God in those things where they might be getting away from the Lord. And ask the Lord to use you to help them to get there. All right, number eight. Pray that each member will be faithful to attend all the services. Again, we go to Hebrews chapter 10, verses 24 and 25. And let us consider one another to provoke. Well, I don't, people provoke me. <laughs> you, know, I, you know the word provoke there? A lot of times in the Bible we think of it as the way it's used today. He provoked me. He just made me mad. He stirred it up. He did it on purpose. No. There it was a strongly urge. A lot of times in the Bible it's a strongly urge. And the, you know, we, they talk about fathers don't provoke your children to wrath. And in that day, there were dads that wanted their boys. I mean, they didn't have football and basketball and those things. They had other things. They weren't looking for their son to be the football star, the basketball star, the baseball star, or anything of that nature. No. But a warrior, oh, that was it. Strongly urged them to learn how to fight, really fight. Let them beat up the neighbor kid, you know. Now, we might kind of smile at that, but really, that's true. That's true. That's, that was a feeling back in that day. Don't provoke them to wrath. A lot of people thought, have taught in some of these, <clears throat> you know, I wonder why the Bible says Jesus is the counselor, and I think I know, because all these other counselors mess it up. He is the counselor. And, you know, when I look at it and I see what, he, what goes on today, his counsel is that you just follow his word and do his will, his way. And sometimes it's going to call for you, just like being joyful, being patient. Well, here's some place where you see a brother or sister's not in God's house anymore. And I've watched over the years, and I'm not saying anything to anybody that's up in the balcony right now, but I've seen over the years where people would be down here, then they'd be up there, then they'd be up there, then they're at home. And they're gone. And it's just a gradual thing. They just got away from whatever it was. They just got away. Well, Hebrews 10.20, again, 10.24, where he says, uh, provoke them not unto, uh, you know, provoke your children, <laughs> provoke them unto, uh, let me find a place, provoke them unto love and good works. Love is a choice. Good works is also a choice. So provoke them to that. 
not forsaking the assembling of yourselves together as the matter of some is, exhorting one another and so much the more as you see the day approaching. Now, I do have a little bit of a problem with people that tell me, boy, I believe Jesus, you know, they look at what's going on today. They say, I believe Jesus is coming soon. Oh, it's got to be coming soon. And yet some of those same people aren't faithful. You know, well, I, I was there Sunday morning. That's their idea of faithfulness. I went to church on Sunday morning. That's not faithful when they're, they're open Sunday night and Wednesday night too. And they're here for revival meeting. Now, I know that in some of those things that people have jobs on those nights and they can't be here. There are people that are working on Sunday morning can't be here. I mean, think of firemen, think of policemen, think of other uh, vocations that takes people out. But the thing is, when you're provoking one another unto love and good works, make sure that what you're doing is that if you're saying, I'm, you see the day is approaching, and you're not willing to provoke people into love and good works, you're not willing to be faithful to God's house, how in the world can you say you believe that he's, the day is approaching? That you can see it. How can you say that? Because if you're the Christian you ought to be, boy, you're going to be provoking others, strongly urging them to be faithful to God's house. You're going to strongly urge to do that which is right and well-pleasing unto God. See, let the Bible tell us what's right and wrong. Not some guy that calls himself a Christian psychologist and he has to twist scriptures to kind of make them fit what he's saying. And always seems to go against the general direction of what the scriptures are telling us. You know, it's just like science. Well, we should allow creation, but we should have evolution in the schools. And they got evolution in the schools? Then, no, we don't need creation there. It's not scientific. Well, their kind of science it is not because their science is so wrong and perverted. But it is right. They won't find that out till eternity if they don't get things right with God. So we have a responsibility there uh, for us and in, in pray for one another to be faithful to attend all the services, to provoke, to strongly urge one another, be faithful in the church. Now we're praying for them and praying for each to be faithful. Okay, number 10. Wait a minute, pray number nine. Pray for labors for each ministry who are submissive to and filled with the Holy Spirit. Now that's Ephesians chapter 5, verses 15 through 18. See then that you walk circumspectly, not as fools, but be wise. Redeeming, buying back the time however you can. You look at your wasted life. Okay, there's been waste, but now let's make up for it. Let's get some things done. Let's give it all out. All, all that we can go all out the rest of our days. Redeeming the time because the days are evil. <clears throat> look at your country. You think the days are evil? Of course. If you don't see that, uh, you don't have a spiritual sense about you that's from the Word of God. Because we see the days are evil. Wherefore, 
Remember the word wherefore? Take care of it right now. Wherefore, be ye not unwise, but understanding what the will of the Lord is. Discern, perceive. That's understanding what the will of the Lord is. You seek it in His Word, and you seek it in prayer, and you pray that for one another. Pray for one another. And so, we need to do that. And so he goes on to say, uh, redeeming the time, of course, and then verse 18, and be not drunk with wine wherein is excess, but be filled with the Holy Spirit. You know, when I, if I would have been instructing, said the Holy Spirit, Paul, I said, you know, that's not really a good comparison of wine and, and the Holy Spirit. I, I don't think you should do that. Probably what I would have said. I'd have been 100% wrong. Because wine, alcohol, can get a power over a person. When they first came out and said, you know, uh, six ounces of wine or six ounces of beer or six ounces of whatever is good for the heart, they started that back in the late 1800s. <clears throat> you remember those brothers that have all the medical facilities? What's their name? Just call it out. There's one in Jacksonville. There's one up in Illinois. There's one in different places. That's it. And what I'm saying is, the Mayo brothers, you know them. Why? Because their identity is with that, with, with medical things. But the Mayo brothers, the original Mayo brothers, the actual brothers, okay, they said, yeah, we see there's a possibility that could help. But if you're going to drink wine, grape juice will do the same thing because it's the same elements in it that help, that make a difference. But you don't risk somebody becoming hooked and a drunkard. They said, we have medications, even today, it's back in the 1800s, that'll do what beer or wine will do. You know, I've had people say, I don't see anything wrong with social drinking. I think a Christian can social drink. Said, you've had cough syrup, haven't you? Yeah. See, then, then you drink alcohol. All right. Then next time that you have a party, serve everybody cough syrup. See, sometimes when they see the ignorance of what they're saying, maybe they'll back off. And, and, and that should make them back off if they know anything about it. Jesus Christ, in Luke chapter 10, verse 2, Therefore uh, said he unto them, uh, The harvest truly is great, but the labors are few. Pray ye therefore the Lord of harvest that he would send forth labors into his harvest. And by the way, in John chapter 4, he said the same thing again when there was the woman at the well. He's told that to his disciples. He wanted the church to have labors in every ministry, serving God, seeking to bring others to Christ. That's why we have a visitation program, by the way, besides the prayer time. And so we pray for that. Okay, number 10. Thank God every day 
for your local New Testament church. In 1 Thessalonians chapter 5, verse 18, And everything give thanks, for this is the will of God in Christ Jesus concerning you. You know, if we, if we don't give thanks, we're not following the will of God. Okay, that's what he tells us here. Everything give thanks, for this is the will of God in Christ Jesus concerning you, the believer, the saved person. This is his will. All right. Second uh, Thessalonians chapter 1, verse 3. We are bound to thank God always for you, brethren, as it is meet, because that your faith groweth exceedingly, and the charity of every one of you all toward each other aboundeth. Now, one thing about the Apostle Paul and all these verses and others that have involved, they prayed for one another. They prayed for one another. And as you begin praying for one another, then you begin to have a love for one another that grows. And it grows. And it grows. So in everything, give thanks. Be a thankful Christian. But your local church, what do I say every Sunday about church membership? They've been saved. You're baptized by immersion after your salvation. And you've made it a matter of prayer. And you know this is where God wants you. Why? Well, there's a couple reasons for that. One reason I see it is that every church Satan's going to attack. He's going to attack and try to take it a different way. Try to do things and all that bring people in that will cause a problem. He'll do that. And because Satan does that, then pray for your local New Testament Baptist church. God led you there. And if you prayed and that's where God wanted you to be, then you're the guy because you are where God wants you to be. You're not going to be the one that abandons ship when there's a problem. You're going to stay in the saddle. You're going to walk with the Lord realizing Satan is attacking and I'm going to do my best to stand up for Jesus as Satan attacks. That's the way you go about it. And so, thank God for what He does in your life local New Testament church. And so 2 Thessalonians 1-3 again, we are bound to thank God always for you, brethren. It is meet. It meets the need. And that the charity of every one of you all toward each other abounds. He's praying that our love for one another would abound in that local church. And that's how he wants us to pray for one another. God used the Apostle Paul by the Holy Spirit to show us how to pray for one another, how to pray for our local church. That takes commitment. That's why you just have ten statements there that are scriptural statements. You can check it out. That's why I put scriptures by each one. But what I'm saying to you, I haven't given you everything those scriptures say. And that's a good thing that you can, on your own, also look and get to know those things all the more. And it'll say things to you 
Because Andy Bloom can't say everything, but God sure can. He sure can. What is yours to do? Yours is to commit yourself to pray this way for one another. Pray for one another. You don't like the way that someone does this. You don't like the way someone does that. Pray for them. Ask God to help them to do it the way He wants them to do it. <clears throat> and He may want them to do it that way. You got it wrong. So, let's pray that it'll be God's will, God's way, God's timing. Pray for one another. Build one another up. Encourage each other in the faith. We are the family of God. As many as received him, to them gave he the power to become the sons of God, even to them that believe on his name, which were born. Not of blood, you're not born a Christian. Nor the will of the flesh. Oh, you didn't work and earned it. Nor of the will of man. Where man designs, well, if you do this, this, and this, you'll be all right. You know, God tells us how to be saved, and He tells us how to live. Follow His will, follow His way, follow His word. But pray for one another to do the same. Encourage one another. As you see the day approaching, provoke unto love and good works, He said. This country is under attack by things of socialism. Marxism, you might even say Nazism. Isn't it interesting? England, they have a monarchy, but they rule as a republic. They carry things out as a republic. America is supposed to be a free republic. People get the office of president. They try to make it a monarchy. No, they don't call themselves king, but they try to rule that way. And I, I'm not attacking Democrat or Republican on this. I'm just saying that that's what happens in our country. And so what I'm saying to you tonight, that the country is in trouble, but a greater trouble right now, 1 Peter 4, 17, Judgment begins at the house of God. If it first begin at us, what shall be the end of them that obey not the gospel of God? What's their eternal destiny? And you see, judgment beginning at the house of God because we have lost that care for the souls of men and even lost that love one for another. Ephesians chapter 2, ye have left your first love. The first love didn't leave them, they left it. Don't leave that first love for Christ. People won't react, you're not looking to how people react, you're looking to what pleases God and doing God's will, God's way, God's timing. Will you commit yourself to pray? Will you commit yourself to pray for one another in this manner? Yeah, people won't let you down. You're still, got, you're still flesh. You still have the old nature. And that's going to sometimes flare up. 
He says, make it right, keep going. Make it right, keep going. Let's bow our heads, please.